So, uh, good evening and uh, welcome. I'm just very conscious that uh, we've got a lot to pack into this evening, and I felt that if we start uh, late, then we'll end up finishing late. So, what we're going to do is begin. We're going to sing a song, first of all, purely to give anybody else an opportunity to arrive um, who, uh, who wishes to join with us. But it's lovely to see so many people here. I want you to know that this evening isn't an easy subject uh, for me. Um, it's probably not an easy subject for any of us in that sense. But I'm hoping very much that uh, as we uh, begin to look through this, uh, we can encourage each other in these very important um, lessons that we look at. Um, so let's stand and uh, sing, and then we'll pray together if we may. But we'll stand and sing, One Day When Heaven Was Filled With His Praises. There are five verses on this, but I thought, could we miss one out? And I decided we couldn't. So let's really sing and uh, just give the glory to God. Thank you. <clears throat> Yeah. 
Thank you. Please, uh, please be seated. And so the title of this evening is In the Last Days, Perilous Times Will Come. Uh, I think that that title basically says it all as to what the theme is that we're looking at. I just want to begin by apologizing if I upset anybody here this evening. There's a good possibility that that will be the case. So I'd like to say sorry right from the outset. We're going to be talking about uh, vaccinations, and I know that uh, there are people here who have been vaccinated, but I don't want you to feel in any way uh, that you've made the, ro the, the wrong decision from what we talk about this evening. Um, there are uh, different views and opinions on this, but I just want to say that uh, from the beginning. We're quite happy to talk about these things afterwards, but as I said, please don't be upset. Now, if you're itching to stand up, put your hand up in the air and say, whoa, 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 stop, uh, I do understand that, and in that sense, um, if it's really, really, really uh, a very important point and you wish to do that, uh, you won't upset me particularly. The only thing I would say is, is that it might be better to let us get to the end of the initial presentation and then we can talk about things, so perhaps have um, a note pad and a piece of paper handy if there's something that you want to, um, to make a note of. Uh, I also am very conscious that I haven't been able to fit into this evening everything that I would like to have. If we had an unlimited amount of time, then that would have been a possibility. But two things. One, I'm still suffering from a sore throat, and, I, and I'm struggling with this. It's gone on for three weeks now. Uh, is, there's nothing infectious about me at all. You don't need any vaccinations against, against this. But it is uh, causing me a problem, and I would certainly value prayer and uh, just to try and get to, uh, to the bottom of this. It has happened before, so I'm not particularly concerned about it. Um, as soon as the nice weather comes, I'm sure everything will be fine. Uh, so I can't fit everything in, and there might be something that you know that you think we all need to hear and to uh, take on board. So at the end, during the time of questions and answers, don't be afraid to make that statement. I hope I've made that clear that I'm coming to this as openly, in, a, in as open a fashion as possible, and uh, that we can look at it. I also want to say, particularly for some of our younger people here, the objective of this evening is not to frighten anybody, okay? However, if we take these scriptures uh, as they're presented to us, face value, then they should cause us to be concerned. Okay, so those of us who are believers, those of us who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will, by default, mean that we'll have a concern for our friends, our family, our parents, our brothers and sisters, our children, whoever it is. Uh, but if you're not saved, then some of the things we're talking about you may never have ever considered before, and you're going to start thinking to yourself, hold on a moment, is this what the Bible really says? I thought it was all about God loving me. Well, you know it is. And he's put his word together because he loves us. And so that's why we have these sections of scripture. So let's pray together. <clears throat> and so our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you this evening uh, for this special meeting. We pray that we would have hearts that are open uh, to what is being said, particularly as we read your word, as we read the scriptures, because... Uh, none of us should have an argument um, concerning these, 
these scriptures that we have. But Lord, as we perhaps uh, look at some interpretation, as we begin to unpack what is being said here, and then apply it to perhaps some of the things that we see going on around us um, in the world today. In fact, we live in a world which is on the brink of serious war. And uh, we could wake up tomorrow and find that everything has changed. That's the position that we're in because of what is taking place, particularly in Europe at this time, but not just in Europe at this time. The whole economy and economic system, countries like Argentina have just been granted an $85 billion loan. How are they ever going to pay that back? Other countries in the Middle East are struggling, um, Africa. And when we look at the economy of our own country, we're beginning to be concerned. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. We want to pray for the state of Israel as well at this time. A chosen people, and yet they still have to come in exactly the same way as all people, which is to the throne of grace, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we recognize that there are some very special things that have happened in Israel, continue to happen, and even in amongst all of the things that we talk about, we see that uh, both the vaccination rates in Israel, unbelievably high, we see that Israel is playing a part in negotiating between Russia and the Ukraine at this time. We know that uh, Israel has a very large pharmaceutical sector. Uh, they've got a very, very strong uh, technological center as well. And for a small nation, they are able to stand up in the world and do amazing things. So, Lord, I just pray that the gospel would be preached in that country, that people, Jewish people, would turn to you, call to you for salvation, repent of their sin, and place their hope, their trust, their faith, and their belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, because it is only through Jesus that we are able to come to the Father. And so bless us, we pray, in the name of our Lord and Savior. Amen. <clears throat> in, the, in the last days, perilous times will come. So thank you for coming along this evening. I am going to try and read most of what I say, because if I don't, we'll be here till five in the morning, because I do tend to, uh, uh, to, to um, just as the Lord leads, really, as the Holy Spirit leads. So I will try and keep to... Uh, the notes that we have. So thank you, as I say, for coming along this evening. And I'm aware, as we've already said right from the outset, uh, that, um, uh, that this is a, a, a very complicated subject in some respects. Emotions can run high on it. Uh, some people can become very defensive over certain things. Other people are saying, wow, I never understood any of that. And it's good to be able to be here. I think it's right that I also acknowledge at the beginning of this meeting that... Um, I do understand that not everybody is going to be in agreement, but it is good to listen. It's good to hear what the Lord has to say to us. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So one of the things that I would say is always important is that whilst we may not fully agree with everything that somebody else might say, it is wisdom to listen. It's good to hear uh, differing views and opinions. And what you can do from that is to go away, look at the scriptures, and perhaps come back and say, no, uh, what I've understood is correct. But you have taken a wise move 
by uh, listening. Friends, it's always worth listening. You can listen and then reject what is being said, or you can listen and uh, perhaps accept what is being spoken of. The subject in general that we uh, call uh, this evening that we're looking at is eschatology, and uh, esk uh, is the Greek word for last, so it's the study of the end times, and uh, it is something which uh, we should be considering of. I just want to say that from a tradition, or from my own personal perspective, it might be helpful for you to know uh, that I am relatively traditional in the fact that I am pre-tribulation, pre-millennial. Now, that might mean absolutely nothing to some of you, and others might be thinking about getting up and walking out right now, uh, which which is the possibility. So what does it mean? Well, it means that I believe that we're living in what's called the church age. Uh, before the tribulation and before the millennium. And as I say, I know that other people have differing views. There's a number of different views. Uh, For example, most um, strongly reformed people would be what are described as amillennialist, uh, which would essentially mean that there is no millennium period. Uh, So they need to work their way through that. A millennialist believes that Revelation 20 is now being fulfilled in the church age, And they hold that the millennium described in Revelation 20 is currently happening. The reason I mention this uh, distinction is because um, pre-tribulational, pre-millennial people tend uh, to be found exclusively among dispensationalists. Now, if these words don't mean anything to you, please don't worry too much at this present moment in time. Uh, Dispensationalists who maintain a clear distinction between the church and between Israel. So the complication comes when you engage in what uh, you might call replacement theology, which simply means that where you see the word Israel in the Scriptures, you just pop the word church in, and then a whole ramit of different theological emphases fit if you do that. Um, I have to say that I believe that Israel is Israel, and Israel is God's chosen people to this day. And I think that what's happening in Israel is very important for us to keep an eye on and to see. My father could never have believed, or he's told me he never believed, two big things that happened in his life. One was that the state of Israel was uh, brought back in May 1948. Didn't ever think that would happen in his lifetime. And the second was the disillusionment of the the USSR and the falling of communism in Eastern Europe. So two massive things that he had not uh, expected to happen in his lifetime. And uh, uh, I have to say to you that I had never thought there would be a world pandemic. I had never thought that there would be uh, the invasion of Russia into the Ukraine in my lifetime, which gives me a bit of concern as to what else could be happening. But I pray that the Lord comes and uh, takes me home to be with himself soon. However, I am open to learn And I cannot get upset with people who have a different view and opinion. And I am prepared to listen and to talk together. We want to be able to maintain fellowship. And that's something which is very, very important. Fellowship in the Lord Jesus. And I hope in his return or the desire for his return to come. So the first sections of scripture that we're going to look at uh, this evening, in a sense to set the scene, is uh, found uh, in um, uh, two... uh, in uh, two Thess- uh, sorry, two Timothy, so I get the right scripture here. Two Timothy, 
chapter 3, verse 1, to chapter 4, verse 1. It's a little bit longer, but I hope that uh, you'll see the importance of reading this. So we have the words, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. As we read these things, try and think of the world in which we live today. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janes and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved, Concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. Uh, what uh, persecutions I endured. And out of them, all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecutions. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you, therefore, Before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful. Be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. So the title of our time this evening is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It begins, verse 1, by saying, but know this. I don't know if you've ever come across scriptures like this before. It says, know this. So what the scriptures are talking about here is that there are things that we need to know. And sometimes we can be selective about the things that we want to know. 
There are times maybe that we can feel happy about some doctrine, some scriptural principle. And then there are times when we're perhaps unhappy about something. And so we choose as to whether we're going to know about this or whether we're going to choose not to know about something. The scriptures say that in the last days, perilous times will come. And it is my understanding that we are now living in more perilous times as an entire world. And it's really important to state and to make that statement because there have been times in the past when things were terrible. You know, if we go back to 1939, 1940 to 45, the period that took place in Europe was terrible. But it wasn't, even though it was called a world war, it wasn't global in the sense that we're beginning to see things taking place now. Because what we have at the moment is the entire world that has been brought into this. I believe that there is really no uncertainty about the times that we live in. People would describe them in that way. Every time you go to the supermarket, the price has gone up. Uh, when you want to uh, uh, do certain things, you discover that there are economics at play which are causing us difficulties in our lives. The Bible says that the last days will be perilous times. And this is something that we as believers are supposed to know. But you keep coming across Christians who seem totally oblivious to the times in which we live. There's a sense in which they are just carrying on as they always have done. They're not particularly concerned or worried about anything. Everything seems to be okay as far as they're concerned. Yes, the church doors have been closed, but they can listen online if they want to. And they're not particularly concerned about it. But the Bible says that we should know. And so that's one of the emphases that I want to make this evening, is that we should be prepared to look at these scriptures, because I think about 25% of the New Testament is all on prophetic scriptures. And yet how often do we hear sermons in our churches, talking to myself now, you know, on these particular issues. So we need to be aware that there's some very important things that uh, we've got to look at. We know that God has given us his word to teach us and to guide us and to encourage us. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, my word is a lamp to your feet. And we all know that. But it strikes me that sometimes we're prepared to say, well, part of God's word is a lamp to my feet. The part that I feel I want is a lamp to my feet. And the problem that we need to remember or the thing that we need to remember is that the whole of God's word is a lamp to our feet. So when we come across sections of scripture that talk about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, they too are a lamp for our feet so that we can see where we're walking in the world that we're in. And yet so often these sections of scripture are simply not looked at or considered in the way that they should be. <coughs> So in this sense, we should, as believers, have an understanding of the things that will happen in the last days. We're not going to do it, but if we were to ask some of our younger people, maybe some of our middle-aged middle people here, and then some of our older people, we would be surprised at how little we really know and we really understand. And I do blame churches for this. I do blame pastors for this because we're not prepared perhaps to teach and to preach and to talk and to have Bible studies on uh, some of these areas. The book of Revelation is not easy in many cases to be able um, to teach and, uh, and so on from. We may not know all things. For example, we don't know exact days and times and hours and so on. 
but there are general things that we should be aware of, and that's the emphasis that we're making in the first section this evening. It's the emphasis of that there are things that we should definitely know. Our God has included many prophetic words and sections in the Scriptures, not just to fill up blank pages, not just as padding, not just to give uh, sort of like a, a little bit of a, um, a bit of excitement in our lives. They're there for a reason. And so we need to begin to understand that not a single word of God's word has been wasted. That isn't our God. He doesn't waste his words. And so we discover that we need to be prepared to look at the scriptures very, very carefully. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and profitable and useful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. We've just read that together uh, from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 and a verse that is quite often quoted. But sadly, many Christians or believers, as we really need to describe ourselves, because there are millions of people in the world today who call themselves Christians, but quite frankly, they are clueless when it comes to, what, to knowing what discipleship is. It's clueless when it comes to knowing what having a real, personal, loving, deep relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is. It's no good just to call yourself a Christian because you were born in Canada and yet some people seem to think that that's the only requirement because I was born in a so-called Christian country. And I have to use the word so-called because at the moment uh, Canada has uh, managed to, to obtain for itself a certain reputation, not just amongst us, but in the world, I don't know if you've been following, but Justin Trudeau has had, I think, four members of the European Parliament stand up and speak against him in Europe today. And they have made statements about the fact that he is no longer interested in democracy. This is, one of the countries was Croatia, you know, a former uh, Yugoslav Republic under General Tito, and the Prime Minister has been prepared to say, uh, we don't want Justin Trudeau to come into the European Parliament and to address it. And this is uh, the representative of, of our nation here in Canada. Millions of people today might call themselves Christians, but quite frankly haven't got a clue what it means to be a disciple. And sadly, many of them are very faithful churchgoers as well. You know, they come into church, they sit down, they read their Bibles, and they don't understand anything. The Holy Spirit's not present within them to enable them to understand because they've never called on the Lord for salvation. And so we have to be very careful about some of the words that we use. I personally have grown to like the word believer because a believer is somebody that the scriptures speak of very clearly um, who has come at, to that point of believing. Now let me give you an example of what I mean. And uh, I don't want to criticize local churches here but I, have, I was on a website for one of them recently, and as soon as I tell you the details, you'll work it out. But listen very carefully uh, to the statement that was made uh, in relation to uh, a church locally and the subject that we're talking about this evening. It said this. It said, we celebrated our bicentennial in 2020. This is on their website. You can read it. Celebrating 200 years of witnessing and service to our community and beyond. Now, that sounds great. You know, it's great for a church to be able to say that. Norwich Baptist Church can say 137 years or something in that order. And then it went on to say this. Thank you for your support, and please keep the church in your prayers. We look forward to serving the community around us with Christian fellowship and outreach for another 200 years. 
I'm not interested in serving a day longer than we have to. Because you see, the church is not here to, to sort of say, you know, we, we, we've done it for so long and we're going to continue to doing it. Okay? And so, and so you can begin to understand that there are many people, many Christians, who have got themselves into this where the thought of, of Christ's return is anathema to them. It means nothing. I don't want to be here any longer than is, than is absolutely necessary. As I say to people... You and I are immortal until God calls us to the Lord takes us to be with himself or he'll return and, uh, and take us to be with himself. You see, if you have no hope or you simply don't believe in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, then there's no driving force to see us involved in evangelism because without the hope of the return of the Lord Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, we have nothing. If we don't believe that Jesus is returning, then do we believe that he rose from the dead? Do we believe that Jesus Christ can deal with our sin? In fact, do we believe that we are sinners? Now, some of you have heard this clip before, but I'm just going to ask Darren to play it again. Uh, the lady has an Irish accent, so I, I make no apology for that. But listen very carefully to the last few words that she has to share. What about statements of fact? If I were to say... Most shoplifters are women. I don't know if that is true or not, but say it was. Would that be hate speech towards women? What if I replaced women with a different definable group of people? What if we changed the crime? Would I still be allowed to make that statement <clears throat> if it was true? What if I simply wanted to talk about my deeply held beliefs, which some people choose to be affronted by? It is not hypothetical. In Finland last month, a member of parliament was taken to court facing up to two years in prison for the crime of ethnic agitation. Her crime, tweeting a picture of the Bible. The member, Pavi Reisinen, said, I would never have believed that this could happen in Finland's democracy with freedom of speech and freedom of religion in our constitution. Finnish Prosecutors stated that the, word, that the use of the word sin could be harmful and said that you are allowed in your mind to agree with the Bible, but you cannot state it in public. Okay. <coughs> so this lady is a, a member of parliament in the Doyle, which is the Irish parliament, and they're debating to bring in uh, the hate speech legislation. And she is saying that... What are you going to do? Because already the Bible has been criticized and has been uh, maligned terribly in countries like Canada, where it's described as fables, myths. Okay? When we have legislation now, for example, over gay conversion, um, a pastor, if he was to say the wrong thing and the wrong person's in the congregation then five years in prison, you know, it's, it's, it's something that can... And that law is now has been passed. And so what she's saying here, well, I'll tell you this, the word sin does offend people. Of course it does. That's why God's brought it into the, the Scriptures, because it reminds us of the offense that we are. And so this is just a taster, a forerunner of what's happening 
not just in, in some little European countries, but here in Canada, in the USA, and before too long, we will suddenly find that whole sections of the Bible, there will be a government-issued Bible that will be redacted to remove all the politically incorrect sections. Now, Christians have argued over the years about what last days this statement actually means. It was important to put that clip up because you need to see the setting that these things are taking place in. And now we just uh, cover a little bit more about the, uh, the details of the scriptures that we have here. For example, some would suggest it refers to the entire period of the church age, and their view is based on scriptures like Acts 2 verse 16, for example. Uh, this is the day of Pentecost, and the apostle Peter is explaining to onlookers, those that have gathered around, um, <coughs> about what has been actually happening at Pentecost, uh, what they're actually seeing. And he says this re reading from verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servant and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So basically, Peter here is explaining to the onlookers, to the congregation that he has, he's explaining what is happening. And he quotes from the prophet Joel and says, in the last days, all these things will happen. And so, for that reason, some people will say that the last days refers to the entire period of the church age that we're in. And it's true, the sorts of things that uh, we've just read in 2 Timothy 3 uh, and chapter 4 have been seen and have happened both in the church and in the world throughout the entire period of what we would call the church age in some degree or another. Uh, for example, there have always been evil men. Uh, Nero, he used to light the streets of Rome by dipping Christians in tar and putting them on a pole and setting fire to them. Well, it was a novel idea. Hitler, it wasn't just Jewish people that Hitler put into the camps. It was anybody that didn't fit in with the system that he had and that he liked. Some of you may never have heard of Pol Pot, but he decided to take, um, which country? Back to year zero, not Laos, the next one, Cambodia. He decided to take Cambodia back to year zero, and that meant the murder of half the population. So there's always been evil people. We've always seen things like this, but we're seeing something more uh, general that is taking place more underlying that is taking place. These things we can see throughout the entire church uh, period. Even so, it seems to me that there's a particular application here to the last days of the church and the final days leading up to the rapture and to the tribulation. And the scriptures say, you should know. Now, that's a challenge to us, but it's what the scriptures clearly point out, and it's my belief, and perhaps yours as well, that we are living in these last days now. I will endeavor to explain some of my convictions in just a moment, but in general, I am convinced by what we are seeing happen in the world right now that we are living in the very last of the last days before the church is taken out in the rapture and the world will be plunged into what will be its darkest hour in its history. And I have every hope that my wife and my children, I have every belief that my family, 
will not endure the tribulation. If there is anybody here who's not a believer this evening, and you're not going to do something about the state that you're in, and the tribulation comes, I want you to know that the front door keys are under the doormat. We'll leave them there. And there's a decent, there's a decent load of tea bags in the cupboard in the kitchen. But we won't be able to welcome you because we've no plan on being in Norwich when this begins. Our Lord Jesus described the tribulation as the worst of times. Didn't mix his words. He says, there has never been a time like it before. Never shall there be a time like it again. It's the worst of times. And friends, the church needs to know this. The church needs to understand the lateness of the hour that we are in. We cannot preach and teach that the world is going to carry on and on for the next 200 years, 300 years, 100 years or whatever. And of course, this explains why we need to be careful about the concepts of things like global warming, for example. Um, there's lots of fear that's being banded around. But at the end of the day, if we believe God is in control, then global warming is in his hands, if it's real. However, we should be good citizens. Don't misunderstand me. In fact, we should be the best citizens in the world today. We should care about our environment. We shouldn't throw our Mackey D's packages out of the window once we've finished eating the burger and just littering the side of the street. We should keep them and dispose of them properly. These are things that are important to us. Christians should be absolutely at the pinnacle of looking after the environment in which we are because God created it. This is his world. We're part of his creation and so we should be concerned about it. We should be the very best that there are. We don't muzzle the ox when it's treading grain because that's cruelty. To we treat animals well. There's that verse in, in Proverbs that talks about treating animals uh, 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 well and so on. So truthfully, the Church of Jesus Christ believers should understand these times, these perilous times in which we live, so that we know what we ought to do since the things that are happening right now do point to the very soon coming of the King. And I'm talking about the Lord Jesus Christ who's coming to take us home in the last days. Perilous times are coming. Incidentally, the word perilous, uh, there's no secrets about its translation. It just means hard. It just means difficult. It does mean dangerous times as well. And to me, this seems a pretty good description of the days in which we're living in now. Uh, there are more dangerous things happening to us then we realize at the moment, and hopefully as we get towards the end, you'll begin to have some things to think about and understand. Think about the last couple of years, for example. They've been difficult for all of us in many ways. And I would suggest dangerous for us too. And in fact, it seems to be getting more dangerous. Um, this week, the U.S. president has flown to Europe along with Justin Trudeau uh, for an emergency summit of the countries that are part of what's called the NATO Military Alliance. NATO stands for the North Atlantic uh, Treaty Organization. And we have a picture of them. Uh, I'm sorry about the guy in the front here. Uh, this is uh, my, my colleague, Boris Johnson. Okay, he was never one for, uh, for great haircuts and things. But, uh, but Boris is Boris, and uh, there he is. And so you'll see that these are the leaders that make up um, the, uh, the NATO um, uh, countries at the moment. The next picture... <clears throat> is a map, well, two maps. So one in 1990, 
uh, up the top here, and the other one is in 2015. Now, the difference between these is if you've been wondering what's going, going on with, uh, with the Ukraine at the moment, the problem is, is the expansion of NATO. So during the period at about 1990, the countries in blue were the NATO countries. The ones in grey, Switzerland, for example, the Republic of Ireland, are neutral countries. Also notice very carefully this grey area at the top here, because Sweden and Finland are also neutral countries. So these countries here used to form what was called the Warsaw Pact. And they had a, essentially uh, a union with the Soviet Union. But then in 2015, or rather in, in 1989, with the fall of the Berlin Wall, this is what happened to the map of Europe. So all of these countries here, right up into these uh, republics, which are called the Baltic republics, they uh, uh, gained independence and they have joined NATO. But this massive gray area here, which is the Ukraine, is not part of, uh, of NATO. And Russia has invaded it on the context that it wants to become part of NATO. Just an interesting little thing. Does anybody know what this little bit of red is here? It's called Kaliningrad. Okay. And uh, this is part of Russia. But to this day, Germany has a territorial claim on this area here. And so uh, there is, in fact, a territorial claim on, uh, on part of Russia from a NATO state, which is obviously something that Russia doesn't like. So the people in this used to be the old area called Prussia. And so you have to understand that the... Um, the map of Europe is not as clear as, as you think because most of this section here in, uh, in western Ukraine speaks Polish. And so the cities of Lvov and places like that are all uh, Polish-speaking. And then if you come to here uh, to the city of Poznan, which is in Poland, this whole area here should really be part of Germany because they are German-speaking and, uh, and so on. So you have to, have to understand there's a lot of, of ethnic and there's lots of problems that take place within that. But I wanted to show that to you because it helps us to understand the, the issue that we now have is that this border now in the blue area here, going up from Estonia down to Bulgaria, is the, is the front line of what all this um, uh, problem is about. And, uh, and we, we see that. So in the, in the meeting they had yesterday, they've agreed to put in f a further four battle groups from NATO which is now means that on this border here, there is just under 100,000 NATO soldiers ready should, should uh, this, the situation in the Ukraine spill over here. Now, one of the countries that is fearful is, uh, is it's up here. You, you can't see it very well. It's this part, which is Finland, because Finland is, is not part of NATO, but it was also in 1923 part of the of Russia it was called the Grand Duchy of Russia and uh, the Russians have always regretted the fact that it was allowed to go free uh, so four additional battle groups have been placed on the border with the Ukraine additional troops from Britain and the USA have been placed in the Baltic states of Estonia Lithuania and Latvia Finland not a member of NATO and a former Grand Duchy of Russia is vulnerable as are the republics of Moldova and Georgia, which are smaller ones. You can't see them on that map. What is happening in the Ukraine right now is actually very serious. And truth, 
fully, and I don't say this in an offensive way at all, but most North Americans don't understand anything of what we've just pointed out on these particular maps. Why should you? You're the other side of the world, or we're the other side of the world. You know, we don't know what's going on with, uh, with these countries. Uh, we have four nuclear-armed countries lining up against each other. Russia is a nuclear power, and on the other side we have the USA, the United Kingdom, and France opposing them. And we should be aware as to how this could all escalate. The longest period of freedom in Europe came to an end one month ago with the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. In the last 2,000 years of history, the longest period of peace in Europe has been from 1950 to 2020. We've managed about 70 years, that's it, of what you could describe as, as peace. The newscasts that we see would suggest that Russia is losing and it'll all be over very soon. Now, Darren's going to play a clip of a rally that took place in uh, Moscow six days ago. Okay, fire away. Keep the volume up for people to see, okay? Listen to carefully to liberate people from these uh, sufferings, from the genocide, is the main, uh, main inspiring motive of, of the military operation we uh, started in Donbass and in Ukraine. liberate people from these uh, sufferings, from the genocide, is the main, uh, main inspiring motive of, of the military operation we uh, started in Donbass and in Ukraine. This is the, the objective. This is the aim. And, you know, I remember these uh, words from, from the Bible. There is no other love other than if uh, someone gives soul for their friends. Did anybody see that clip on your, on your news and stuff? Has anybody seen it here? Okay. Now, one person. This isn't a country that is facing defeat. Okay. There were 200,000 people in that stadium eight, uh, six days ago. And the president quoted from John 15, verse 13 in the Bible. Greater love has no man than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, they don't look at it the way we look at it. Because the people in the Ukraine have always been part of Russia. And I wonder if Joe Biden would ever quote from Scripture. Now, maybe he's misquoting. You know, we've got we to say that because devils quote Scripture. Okay? But the verse he's chosen is very interesting because he's laying down his life for his friends. That's what comes from there. Sometimes we get the under or we get the idea that uh, that Russia's weak. That's what we're told in the media. 
and that it's just all going to come to an end. In the last days, perilous times will come. We're living in difficult times, and they are very dangerous, and we should never underestimate what is taking place. It's not over yet. Now, all that is happening in the Ukraine comes hard on the heels of COVID-19 pandemic, and we're all very much aware of that. Most countries in Europe have massively relaxed or removed the COVID uh, mandates completely. The UK has removed every restriction. You can travel into the country, travel out of the country without any checks at all. The problem is you can't leave Canada, okay, if you've not been vaccinated, that is. If you've been vaccinated, uh, sorry, if you've not been vaccinated, you are effectively a prisoner in Canada at the moment. COVID is not over yet here in Canada, and the rest of the world shouldn't assume that it's over yet either. These are difficult times, and I would say that they're confusing times. If you only go on the mainstream media for news, you are bound to be confused right now. And most people in our country here in Canada are absolutely terrified of COVID now. Much of what comes through the mainstream media news outlets is lies. It isn't the truth. It's deceit. It's propaganda on a massive scale. And it is all designed to keep people in a perpetual state of fear and confusion. So you walk around Walmart now, still 80% of the people have got their masks on. You see people walking down the street with their masks on still. However, we do have one source of truth, one outlet, which is not fake news, and that's God's Word. And if you read your Bible, you should know. So if you want to understand what is really happening in the world today, if you want to really understand where all of this is leading, don't look at CBC or CNN or Sky or the Toronto Sun. Don't waste your time. Also, don't rely on the so-called fact-checkers either because they are pushing the same lying narrative because ultimately they're all controlled by the same people, the same organizations that control the government too. And I'm talking about shadowy figures and organizations that have a plan. And it is a plan that was set in motion a long time ago. In fact, right from the beginning. And this plan is being pushed forward. The agenda is being pushed forward right now. And the plan is to bring in what they refer to as a new world order. It's what Schwab, in his great book, in his book, The Great Reset, talks about. And I need to explain this to you. Some people think that this is all going to happen in 10 years' time. It's well underway now. Well underway. We're in the middle of it, I would suggest, in, in terms of Swab's, Swab's uh, section. Many people, including Christians and believers, even here this evening, think that all this started a couple of years ago. That's absolute rubbish. It has all been running in the background for thousands of years. It did not start with the World Economic Forum two years ago. And those of us who have been reading the Word have known this, but many Christians are surprised, surprised by what's going on. And they shouldn't be. 
Schwab in his book and in his video talks about eight predictions for the year 2030 and he begins with, has everybody seen his video? Okay, Darren, it's short. <coughs> Sorry about the music, by the way. It's the future. Okay, Western values will be tested to breaking point. That's referring to our Christian foundation and root. We'll own nothing. USSR tried all of this, you know, it's, 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 it's not new. I'm sure most of you, have, well, you've all seen it now, but there we are. You see, so the great reset that has been spoken of coming in the year 2030, but friends, we're in the great reset now. In fact, as I said, I have the book here. The title is COVID-19, The Great Reset. That's what we're in now. We're actually in the process of this reset. And what is going on right now is preparing, is the preparing of the kingdom for a king. And that king will be the Antichrist who is to come. Now, if there is one theme that the Bible has a great deal to say on, it is the Antichrist and his kingdom. And we should never, ever underestimate that. Now we're going to look at a couple of things in just a moment that, uh, um, uh, concerning the Antichrist. Does everybody know and understand that the word anti in Greek doesn't have quite the same meaning that we have when we talk about uh, anti-this? It means instead of. Okay, so the Antichrist is the Christ instead of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We also need to know and understand that he won't be, the Antichrist won't be revealed until the restrainer is taken out of the way. So we turn back to uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 verses uh, 1 to 8, uh, or sorry, rather turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 1 to 8. Um, So uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, 
either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, (coughs) and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or, or, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Notice the brightness of (coughs) his coming. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, I would suggest that's the rapture, we ask you you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. You see, the problem was that the believers in Thessalonica or for the believers in Thessalonica is that when Paul was with them, he taught them about all of these things. He taught them about the rapture. He taught them about the tribulation, what would follow and the second coming and all of these things. And they believed in a pre-tribulation rapture because Paul had taught them that. But since Paul had gone, some other brethren, other brothers had come along or some other people had come and had said that the tribulation, the day of Christ, the day of the Lord had already begun. And so they were thrown into confusion They were worried because they thought somehow they'd missed the rapture and they'd been left behind. And so Paul is writing here to encourage these believers not to be concerned and not to be worried. So he goes on and he says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, the apostasy and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition and so on. So Paul is saying, listen, The lawless one will be revealed in his own time. The Antichrist will come in his own time. But something is holding him back right now. And he calls this something the restrainer. And I would suggest to you that the restrainer is the Holy Spirit in the church. Friends, it is the church, it is the Holy Spirit which is restraining all this to come about. And when the church is taken out of the way, then the lawless one will be revealed and the tribulation will begin in earnest. But my point here is that the Antichrist doesn't set up his kingdom once he's revealed. His kingdom, the beast's kingdom, is already prepared for him before he's revealed. Friends, everything has to be in place for the anti, the instead of Christ. It has to be in place for him to use to bring the whole world under his control 
when he comes. And we are seeing all of these things being put into place at an increasingly fast rate. In fact, a frighteningly fast rate. And I put it to you that what is happening in the world right now is in preparation for this. Preparation for the false Christ with his false gospel and with his false church. And in this preparation, certain things have to happen. And the first one is the destruction of the old order. When I say the destruction of the old order, I mean everything to do with it. And Klaus, in his video, states that. Everything has to go. The very fabric of Western society, our understanding of owning property, our understanding of who is entitled to what and so on, all of it has to go. So the first thing is the destruction of the old order. The old moral standards, the old moral standards about abortion, about euthanasia, about marriage, about sexuality, about family, about education, about pleasure, about pornography, about parenting, about the truth, about free speech, and the list goes on and on. Even the old order of the way people think, it has to be taken away personal rights and freedoms of choice and self-determination, bodily autonomy, and all of these things. What is happening now is with a view to the dismantling of all of what could be described as the old order. And it's being done by removing the old normal and bringing in what they call and what we're hearing as being described as the new normal. It's to bring in a new world order with all that that means. And make no mistake about it, this is much further along, and I, and I, I, I don't know how to get people to understand this, this is much further along than you ever imagine. The things are in place that we cannot even begin to imagine as to what is going on. But the way that our world leaders are functioning, the way that the interconnectedness. I mean, during COVID, did you ever find one country that rebelled against what was being spoken of? No, the whole world was compliant. Okay, so what we need to understand, I think, is in order to achieve their ends and their goals, one of the things they have to do, or should I say, one of the things they're trying to do is to destroy Christianity. I hate to say this, friends, but we're not wanted. Now, they can't destroy Christianity. Hallelujah. <laughs> because God won't allow them to. We're His. But what they want to do and what they have been doing over many years now, and particularly over the last two years, is seeking to silence the church. To stop us being heard. To stop us being any influence in the world, let alone a major influence in the world. And as I said, they can't destroy the church. They can't stop it. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. But I think that if we look back over the last couple of years, that we have to admit is that governments around the world together 
have managed in many cases to silence the church so that we've gone for months without churches functioning and being able to function as they should do. Governments all over the world have banned churches from meeting, have stopped believers from assembling together, stopped believers from praying together, forcing them to go online instead, which may not seem a problem to a lot of people. I've discovered there's loads of online churches available now, so you don't have to go out the front door at all. You can just be a member of an online church. There are churches that have only been online in the, for the last two years, and even some haven't begun to meet again. But listen, from there it's an easy step going online. It's an easy step to take them down for supposedly breaching the rules of the internet platforms that they have been using because they said something that the government doesn't agree with. They used the word sin. And in Finland, you can't do that anymore. The owners of the uh, platforms don't like what is being said, so the next step is just to remove them. And listen, if we preach the Bible, if we preach the Bible thoroughly and properly, if we preach the whole counsel of God, it won't be long before they'll take us down because the Bible is full of things that are politically incorrect today. Things that people don't want to hear, so the church will be deplatformed, if that's a word. These are perilous times for the church of Jesus Christ. And the church, in my view, needs to wake up. Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 8, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And our Lord left the question open. Will he really find faith on the earth? So friends, the Lord has told us in his word what his church uh, should be, what it should look like, what it should do. And for example, he says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider, uh, I think that's, yeah, fine. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. We struggled with those verses. We did manage to keep our fellowship open. It was in a limited way. And in hindsight, I believe we'd do it differently. We're grateful for the barn that we've been able to use. But that wasn't so much hiding. It was more a case of needing space. And so we appreciated uh, that option that was given to us. And there are pastors in prison right now because they keep this command in Scripture. And it is a command. And when I say that they're in prison for obeying that command, I'm not talking about China or Pakistan or Saudi Arabia or our dear friends in North Korea. I'm talking about here in Canada. How can this be? Have you asked yourself that question? How is it possible that we can have pastors locked up in this country? In the last days, there will be perilous times. We're supposed to be living in the free world. But pastors are in prison. And I suspect that the majority of us in this church this evening are not allowed to leave this country. Friends, have you not understood? We're not free anymore. We are prisoners. And most of us have hardly noticed it. 
Now, of course, there are some Christians who would say, well, it serves these pastors right. They ought to have done as they were instructed by the government. It says in Romans 13, 1 and 2, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And that's been quoted to me many times. People have phoned me up, emailed me, spoken to me in the street, and said, what are you doing? Don't you understand? You know, we've got neighbors that have come out and said exactly this. Why don't you just do as you're told? Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. God's word's clear. Yeah? Obey the law. And in many countries, the government said there must be no public gatherings, and your church must close. But the question is, should the church always obey the governing authorities? If you consider Romans 13, verse 1 and 2 in the light of the rest of Scripture, the answer is no. We are to obey the governing authorities in all things unless to do so would mean that we disobey God or go against God's word. We could talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we haven't got time to do that. You can read it. We've been studying it in our group, uh, in our group meetings on there. Uh, on the first Thursday of each month, and anyone wants to join one of those meetings, let us know, and, uh, and we can uh, find a place for you. But of course, they were told to bow down, to worship the statue. They said no. They got thrown in the fire, and we know the story, but they disobeyed. And of course, Daniel, when we come to chapter 6, uh, the laws said you can't pray to anybody except the king, and so Daniel opens the windows as wide as he can, okay? And he gets on his knees and puts his hands in the air, waving them for everybody to see. And he prays three times a day to God, okay? And he knew what the results would be. In other words, <clears throat> they're disobeying government when the rules of the government means that they will have to go against God or disobey him. Yes, we have to be subject to the governing authorities, but we as Christians submit to a higher authority, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the higher authorities said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, yes, someone might say, but what about the disease? You know, I've had this in, on Facebook. Not just me, but you lot have been accused of killing people in this town. Because we kept meeting, okay? That, that, that's been, you know, put on public notice. So what about the disease? Well, I might at this point say what disease in that sense. But turn with me to Psalm 91 and let's read verses 1 to 10 together. <clears throat> if, we, if we may, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He should deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilences 
that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Now, I'm not saying that we don't take sensible precautions. But the fear that has been put into this country and pretty well every other country in the world is appalling for what we are seeing. Do we trust God? When the Son of Man returns, will he really find faith on the earth? These are perilous times, friends, but they are perilous times for the world also as we see all those things happening that Jesus said would happen, that would be signs of his soon return. And what are these signs? The first one is deception on a global scale. False Christ, false Savior, false prophets. What have we been told in the last two years? The Savior has come. What's the savior? The vaccine. Science. So science has come in and science is our savior and science will keep us out of trouble. Science is going to deal with everything. In five years, six, seven years time, science is going to sort out all these problems and all these difficulties because that's the savior that has come and that people are speaking about. It's not Jesus. Trust science with... Trust science. That's what we're told. A false Christ, false saviors, false prophets, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising up against nations. And you know that the Greek uh, word that we have there is ethnos, uh, it means people groups. So it's not just one nation going to war against another. It's factions within society against each other. Think of the riots that you've seen in the USA last year and the year before that. That's ethnos rising against ethnos, kingdom against kingdom. We have famines and we have shortages leading to hyperinflation. The inflation rate in Canada is a lot more than 6%. Turkey, 150%. Britain, right? Eight percent or something, and 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 there are countries that are just failing at the moment. You can go through the list. I mean, Argentina, eighty-five billion dollars. How are they ever going to pay that back? The Lebanon—it's totally bankrupt. Nobody has electricity, and the Lebanon was a pretty well-organized country once upon a time. Southern European country, Greece, absolute basket case. Bulgaria, bankrupt. And, and Canada has been printing money and will cause the inflation and all this quantitative easing that's been going on during all this COVID time and, and before COVID, from 2008 or whenever it was. You notice the prices going up, the shortages. There are shelves that we see empty in shops. The scriptures talk of earthquakes, of pestilences, of pandemics. It's all happening now. And add to that the increasing upheaval of the geopolitical structures and the groups vying against one another. 
political blocks being formed. We're seeing it happen right now. And then there's this rapid decline in morals in our generation. Unbelievable depravity. Did I hear it correctly that the state of Maryland wants to bring in a law to allow the murder of babies up to 28 days after they're born? Can you imagine? Can you imagine anybody discussing or thinking that? Uh, Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32, please. Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32. So I just feel we do need to read the scriptures just to remind us of, uh, of, uh, of the foundation that, uh, that we have. So, um, <coughs> um, sorry, what, what, uh, I just lost my place there. Yes, yeah, sorry, Roman, uh, 18 to 32. Sorry about that. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in righteousness because, in unrighteousness, because what may be done, sorry, may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature, creator, ra creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions for even their women exchanged natural use, uh, sorry, exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and deceiving in themselves, and the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This is the day we're living in. Unbelievable depravity. And then you add to that the great apostasy that is taking place in the church right now. Just as the Bible said, and we read it earlier in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, what we see, friends, are indicators of the soon return of the Lord. And if we as Christians cannot see that, if we as believers cannot see that, 
then we're not looking carefully. So let's just think in closing now for a moment uh, of, um, in fact, there's just a couple of points that I need to make and then we close. So let's just think for a moment about the purpose of biblical prophecy. It is great to see everyone here this evening, but if I asked you why did you come, what would you say? Was it just because it sounded interesting? Or was it because you actually want to know and be made to think what the Bible says? Okay? You see, it's meant to affect us. Prophecy in Scripture is meant to affect us. It's meant to prepare us. It's meant to have an impact on our lives and our outlook and our behavior. And yet church after church never speaks of it. I think the danger for some of us is that in our minds we know the Scriptures and we believe these Scriptures and we love the prophetic Scriptures and we like to talk about these things and we like to hear a good speaker talk about them or the pastor of the church talk about them or we like to go to the internet to hear them on the Lion of Judah and so on. But are we really interested or is it simply just an interesting subject to look at? We believe in the rapture, we believe in the tribulation, we believe in the second coming. But the danger is that in our minds, it's all kept somewhere in the future. Far enough away not to affect us now. And so there's this kind of disconnect between what we know and what we believe and the things that are actually happening in the world right now. Most of us would hardly be at a point of the countries on the map let alone know what's going on in them. Through the prophetic scriptures, however, we can know what time it is. Again, in Romans 13, he says, and I do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You see, through the scripture we can know what time it is. And notice again what Paul says when he says the time is near. He says, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. <coughs> In other words... It should affect us. It should change us. It should affect our outlook. Through these prophetic scriptures, we are able to understand our times and know what we should do. But we need to be aware, friends, so that we can watch and pray. And we need to look at the world today and the things that are happening in the world today through the perfect lens of Scripture. That's the only way that we will ever truly understand what's going on. So we've just got to consider now two things um, that we're told will happen during the tribulation and we need to apply them to what's been going on in the last couple of years. And I want us to consider how what is happening today connects uh, with, uh, with that. Okay, uh, what's happening in the Ukraine right now and Russia's invasion, invasion will pave the way for Gog and Magog. Now that you know, might be a s statement that you don't really appreciate and understand. 
and we're not going to talk about it in any detail now, but on May the 27th, I'm hoping that we will do, which will be the next in this series of meetings. So May the 27th, uh, we'll begin to look at what this has to say. But Gog and Magog are the areas given in the scriptures to the area known as the Ukraine and Russia, because we've always known that the attacks on Israel will come from the north. And at the moment, the buffer between Russia and uh, Israel is known as Syria. And if you know anything about Syria, who's in charge of Syria at the moment? Russia. Okay, we need to, we need to uh, understand that. And then if you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, 37, 38, 39, uh, you can begin to see and to read all of this. However, I want to leave those details, as I say, till our next meeting. What I want uh, to do now is to draw your attention this evening to Revelation chapter 13, and we're going to read verses 1 to 9. So Revelation 13, verses 1 to Tonight. <clears throat> Sorry. There's no way I can read that, so. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his uh, head a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed, and with the sword, uh, with the sword. here is uh, the patience and the faith of the saints. So here we're reading about the Antichrist, the first beast of his, uh, and his kingdom. And we're told various things about this man. The Antichrist, both here and of course, there are many other references in Scripture, many other passages uh, in the Bible that speak of this man. But look, for example, at verse 7, and it says, the authority was given him over every tongue, every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. So he rules over the nations of the whole world through a global government. And we're told elsewhere that he comes in as a man of peace, but that soon war breaks out, and such is the power of this man that the strength of arms that he has in his possession, it says in verse 4, who is able to make war with him? You see, and you'll recall, if you remember uh, from chapter 17 in Revelation, it says the ten kings, sorry, from uh, verse 17, I think, the ten kings who reign with him 
for an hour give him their power and their authority. And I would suggest to you that that includes weapons. Just as we in Canada and in the United Kingdom and in many other countries, those countries of NATO, we have given the use of the weapons to NATO. They will use our weapons. And if the UN so-called peacekeeping forces are sent anywhere, the weapons that they take are weapons from the different nations in the world. And yesterday, March the 24th, NATO sent a further 40,000 troops to the eastern flank of uh, NATO. So it is that the weapons of the nations, many of the nations of the world, are given over to this man. So they say, who can make war with the beast? And we're told, we read it uh, earlier in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And that links together with Revelation 13, 5, where it says, he was given the mouth to speak great great things and blasphemy. And we're told here that the dragon, that is Satan himself, wait for it, gives him his power and his authority and that the world worships him. It says the world marveled and the world followed him. In other words, they love him, they admire him, and they will follow this man of evil, the Antichrist, willingly. Now, I used to think as a younger Christian that people would be led at gunpoint to worship him. That's the thought that I had. But when you read the Scriptures, that's not the case at all. It doesn't say that at all. It says that they will willingly follow him. Now, this is a picture of uh, the COVID-19 van when it was parked here in in, uh, in Norwich uh, just a couple of days ago, I think. Yesterday, a couple of days ago. Okay. And uh, I saw a number of people going in there. Okay, Uh, it's all made very easy and there's no sense of anybody being coerced. People are going in and they're following it. And and this is something that's happening all over the world. And in Britain, they're on their fifth booster. Okay, Uh, they're treating them like pincushions. You know, I mean, at least it gives the older folks in the care homes something to think about. When's my next booster due? You know? Uh, this is, the, this is, this is uh, what's going on. Yet he, the Antichrist, through the agency of the second beast, the false prophet, introduces the system by which he and his government will control everyone. We call it the mark of the beast system. It is the system through which he will control whatever you buy, whatever you sell, whether or not you can work, whether you can have access to finance, and if so, how much. It will control whether you can have access to health care. It will control whether you can have access to anything. Basically, they are able to control everything. And in order for a person to have access to all of that and to take full place within society, they have to be compliant with everything that the government requires of them. Failure to comply will exclude them from society accessing the basic needs of life such as food, health care, and the rest of it. You see, it isn't just receiving this mark. It's what the mark connects you with. It's what the mark brings the people into. Now, China's a huge country. They already have 
a Chinese a social a security, um, social credit system in place, and it works now. Oh, I know, I know, and, and I'm going to come on and confirm that. But I'm just saying, it's up and running in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in countries already and has been for a while. And how it works is, is that you're, if you're fully compliant with all that the government requires of you, you get a high credit score and you get lots of privileges and like an extra day off holiday and things like that. And you can work and you can travel and you can buy and you can sell and you can care for your family and you can love your children and you can do whatever you can do. You'll have general access to services, amenities, health care, and the rest of it. But if you say anything about the government that the government doesn't like, and if you're found gathering with certain groups that the government feels are a threat, or if you're found preaching from the Bible, or say sharing your faith with somebody in the street, your credit score will go down and you'll find yourself excluded from all of these things. And from some things, you will be arrested and you'll be put into jail and you may even be killed. This is what the Scripture is saying. And this all operates through a system of surveillance. What's the mark? Your face. That's it. The technology already exists. I think we all know that the social credit system in China already operates by what you look like. But the question is, how could they bring that into a country like ours and countries of the so-called free world? And not just how could they bring it in, but how can they do it in such a way that the people will enthusiastically embrace it and actually love them for it? The question is, how do you get from where we are now to what the Bible says will come in the middle of the seven-year tribulation? Well, what I should really have said is, how do you get the world, including the so-called democratic nations of the world, the free world, from where they were two years ago to the system that's in place now? How did it happen? Well, it's pretty simple, really. It's done through lies. It's done through deception. It's done through promoting fear. Because fear has always controlled people. Always. And it will continue to control people. If you turn again to 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9. Um, if we can read it. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Friends, it's all done through lies, deception, through fear. But I want to point your attention now to, the, uh, to Revelation chapter 18 and verse 23. And many of you here will know what this verse is about. 
In fact, it's, I'm just going to read the last part of the verse, which simply says, For by your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. By your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And I'm sure that most of you are aware that the word translated sorcery in our English language is, in the original Greek language, the word pharmakia. And it's where we get our word pharmaceutical or pharmacy. We get it from pharmakia. And the word pharmakia, the word used here in Revelation 18.23 means a drug or the employment of drugs for any purpose of sorcery, magic, enchantment that comes. In the old days when sorcerers got involved, they mixed up potions and that's where it comes from. And we've tended to forget that. Okay. So what Revelation 18.23 tells us is that the great merchants of the earth, and these are the billionaire industrialists, the bankers, the finance men, the CEOs of large companies earning millions and millions of dollars every year, huge sums of money, colossal sums of money. What it is telling us is that they will use pharmacia to deceive the nations. They will deceive the nations by means of pharmaceutical products. There was an English guy called Aldous Huxley. Now, he had to be English to be called Aldous Huxley. Uh, he came from a highly influential family, aristocratic family. He was a writer, a philosopher, written over 50 books. He dabbled in the occult. He was a very high-degree Freemason. And in a speech he gave to the Tavistock Group in California Medical School in 1961, Huxley said this, and I quote, There will be in the next generation... That's us. Or so, a pharmacological method of making people love their servitude and producing dictatorship without tears, so to speak. Producing a kind of painless concentration camp for the entire societies so that the people will in fact have their liberties taken away from them but will rather enjoy it because there will be a because they will be distracted from any desire to rebel against propaganda or brainwashing or brainwashing enhanced by pharmacological methods. And this will be the final revolution. Okay. Welcome to Canada 2022. Everything he said has happened. I find it quite interesting, given that we've just lived through the last two years. If you turn to Revelation chapter 6 and you just read the last two verses, it says, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. And so this is the opening of the first seal right at the start of the tribulation period. And most are agreed that this describes the rise of the power of the Antichrist who goes out conquering to conquer. Well, how does he do it? How does he conquer the nations and bring them into subjection to himself? Well, he has a weapon. It says he has a bow in his hand, and the preachers usually point out the fact that he has no arrows mentioned here, indicating that while he has a bow, while he has a military weapon, 
at his disposal, he doesn't use them, at least not initially, because he comes as a man of peace. And that's the way preachers usually preach it. However, it's interesting to discover that the word used for the word bow here in Greek is the word toxon. And it can actually mean bow or arrow or bow and arrow. It's generally the word used for bow. And toxon, it came from the Greek word toxikon, which means a poison in which arrows are dipped. You see, in ancient warfare, they could hit you. And if it got you in the arm, you know, you'd have a bad arm, but it wouldn't kill you. But if the, bow, if the arrow is dipped in poison, then it would do. Think about it for a moment. So if we connect Revelation 18.23 with Revelation 6.2, it might explain how the Antichrist and his government conquers the whole world, making them willing to do what he requires them to do, even receiving the mark. When the time comes, he does it through lies, through fear, and through some toxic pharmaceutical product. Indeed, Revelation 9.21 says they did not repent of the murders or of their pharmacia, their sorceries, or their sexual immorality or the thefts. And this is in spite of the first six judgments having already been released, resulting in the death of around three billion people based on current world populations. Three billion people have already died through what happened in the first six seal judgments, yet still they will not repent of the murders or of the pharmacia. Now, in order for the Antichrist to use pharmacia to deceive the world and to make them fully compliant, the products must be available before he rises on the scene. Do you see it? In fact, the minds of the people of this world need to be conditioned to accept such things before he arrives. So the question in closing is, the question we have to ask ourselves, has there been any sort of plan or program to persuade the entire world to take a pharmaceutical product? Or rather to persuade them that they need to keep on taking a pharmaceutical product to use. They're put in fear and coercion to force them to do it. Have the governments of this world worked in a lockstep way? Have they worked together to promote such a program using every means at their disposal to push such a program forward, including propaganda through the mainstream media has all this happened? Yes. It's been happening in the last two years. And it's continuing to happen. And these people, for whatever reason, who don't wish the pharmaceutical products, they are increasingly ostracized by the rest of society. Listen to what the Italian Prime Minister said just a few days ago, bearing in mind in Italy today that about 500,000 unvaccinated citizens 
over the age of 50 will be suspended from work and left without salary. Mario Draghi, the Prime Minister said, and listen to this, the unvaccinated are no longer a part of our society. Next year, 2023, there will be <coughs> a digital ID system brought in globally that will have or have the capability to record the face of the entire world population. The company is called Clearview IA. It's in California. And many Christians have uh, part of their share portfolio in this company's stock. They already have your face in their system. All of you. There's not one of you that it hasn't got. The mark is your face. It will be used one day soon for some sort of credit system and for non-compliance. For example, those who refuse to receive the pharmaceutical product will be completely cut off from everything. They will not be able to enter shops or to buy food or to access health care. They will not be able to work in certain environments if the government wishes to. They will even be able to freeze their finances. Does it sound far-fetched? No, because you live in a country that's already practiced this. It knows who you are. It's already practiced freezing your assets. And all they have to do is to press a button when the time comes. And this country is leading the Western world in a collapse of moral standards. Babies that are, lives are terminated. Pastors in prison. I mean, you know, do you want me to say any more? And if you think it's far-fetched, this is the country you live in, the free world. It's here now. And I think what we've experienced over the last two years is the dry run for what will happen during the tribulation. Because everything has to be in place for the Antichrist to come. Everything. <clears throat> How close are we to the rapture then? We're just a few seconds away. We're a few seconds from midnight. Everything from what I can see is in place as I never ever thought I would see in my life. You know, when I was at school, there were no computers. Therefore, if anyone is listening this evening and you're not saved, you need to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to understand that you're a sinner. I'm sorry that word hurts you. I'm sorry it's hate speech. Because you see, you need to understand that you are a sinner and in the eyes of a holy God. And one day you're going to stand before him in judgment. And if nothing is done to cleanse you of your sin and to bring in forgiveness for your sin, you will stand guilty before God, the righteous judge, who has no choice but to condemn you to eternal hell. That is eternal conscious torment and separation from the living God. 
But God loves the world so much that he's provided a way so that sinners can be forgiven. Sinners can be saved, and that way is through his Son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world sinless and perfect through the virgin birth, who lived a sinless and perfect life and then died as an atoning sacrifice on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for all our sins. He paid our debt in full. And the free offer of the gospel is this. If we're prepared to repent, to turn away from our sin, then God will forgive us and will wipe out all our sin and receive us back to himself in a righteous relationship with him. Three days after his death, Jesus rose from the dead and he's alive today. And the Bible says he is able to save to the uttermost all who come to God through him. Amen.